Welcome to Bites of Light with Angel and Seth Brewer. Our mission is to bring bite-sized nuggets of information to be digested as you please. Take a quick bite or stay for the whole party. Pleasure being the main component of our mission, we will also bring other humans into our space to share their magical brew with us all. Love, service, and wisdom is what we are bringing to the table. Join us in our magical kitchen where what is being served is for your highest good. Hello all and welcome to another episode of Bites of Light, snacks for your soul. And we got some juicy snacks for you today. We have with us today Kaya Dubois, our amazing artist and brand new author. Yeah. <laughs> Joining us on our book collaboration, Bites of Light. And we're so excited that you are coming to play with us in this collaboration. Yes. I am so excited. And the beautiful artwork on the front of our book is made by Kaya. Yay! She's talented in many mediums. <laughs> Multi-dimensional artist is, yes. is the term I yeah. like to use. Oh, there you go. I love <laughs> the, the three I know of is you're a digital artist, you're a paint artist, and you're also a tattoo artist. And you're incredible, yeah. all three of them. Yeah, I, I would also like to include, um, I think writing is an art. I'm a writer. Uh, I play in sculpting with clay and carving of bones and wood and, and natural materials and ink and pencil and colored pencils and, 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 and pretty much anything my inner child wants to get her little fingers on. I just go for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I'm covered in your art. Like you are my tattoo artist and <laughs> I'm actually wearing a piece of your art as well. So I see that. So on theme, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm wearing a big quartz. You're, you're hugging a quartz. That's just kind of oh, yeah. <laughs> crystal babies, Yeah. crystal babies. There's a little, there's a little support for the podcast. <laughs> Quartz comfort. Quartz comfort. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> well, and, and yeah, we, we've been uh, we've been playing in this sandbox for ten years. We just discovered uh, before. Our that is so there. crazy. We're celebrating our ten year anniversary. Yay! Um, Kaya was. I, I call her one of my OG members. She's uh, one of my original babies when I first started. Uh, holding circles and doing this kind of work and her and I have navigated many many spaces many collaborations many heart spaces um, all over BC and I am so thrilled to be on this journey with you and acting as sacred mirrors for each other it has been quite the ride Oh, it hasn't ever. It's really been multidimensional in its own right, really. Yeah. Yeah. And so traveling back to 2013, when I first started holding these circles, um, give the audience a little bit of a taste of where you were and what were some of your takeaways right from that very beginning, those first couple of, that first year that we did so much work together. Um, so back then, uh, I guess like some, some contextual imagery would be where I was in my world. Um, I had just opened my first tattoo shop. Um, 
outside of my house, at least uh, my first like brick and mortar space to invite clients and, and hold sacred space in that element. I was finally just starting to come back to myself at that time. Um, as a child, I was raised exclusively with witches, witches raised me all, a lot of magic, sacred feminine energy surrounded me in so many different dimensions. Um, I remember being gifted my first tarot deck that I, that I still use to this day, I think somewhere around eight or nine years old, maybe. Uh, I, and I was really brought up in that magical spiritual world. Um, but I lost immense touch with that through my teen years and my youth. I was in a really lost space of trying on different identities. I was in this new community that I didn't know. There was no real space for me there. And so I really lost myself or maybe better to say I found myself through some different masks that weren't in total alignment with me, but they, they did help me delve into some spaces I never would have. But at the time where our paths kind of converged, I was starting to step back into that space. I was reclaiming my witch. I was just starting to learn about crystals. I was back to playing with that card deck from my childhood. I was getting back into meditation. I was reclaiming my, my whole identity in right down to my aesthetic. And I was really feeling ready and invigorated, inspired to find that space again and go a little deeper as like an adult. And that's when our paths converged when you hosted your very first circles. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the first circles was the collaboration with Donna with doing yeah. the, the chakra workshops. Exactly, yeah. Which was incredible. And that was a six week workshop, I believe, where one of them you combined two of the chakras. Yeah, we did uh, a four week foundational to just kind of introduce people to who we were and what we were about. Uh, so we did the four weeks foundational classes and then we did the, the chakra classes after that. So it was about 10 weeks. Yeah, Ten I weeks had just started learning about chakras at that time too. So it was such yeah. a really good um, deep immersive experience to really kick off uh, <laughs> that journey. Well, it was funny because I, how we met was um, somebody had, was it online or I can't remember, but somebody had said, this person's a, a great tattoo artist. And so I came to you and the, oh, there's Archangel Michael's sigil right here on my wrist. That was my first time in your space. And as you were doing this very small, tiny tattoo, that was when our world exploded and they said, come and do this. And since then, like I'm, I'm covered, I'm, I'm covered. <laughs> I can't show the bias, but uh, every since, ever since that day, you sitting in my circles or me, you initiating me through your tattoo work, there was just this dance that started happening. Yeah. And it was, it was such an ease and such a fluid flow to it that really, um, didn't require any effort. I felt it was so natural. It was, it was like an immediate connection of knowing, um, when you first walked in my tattoo shop, <laughs> I remember when it was starting with that really simple sigil, um, 
and you started telling me about Reiki, which I'd never heard of right. ever, but you're like, Kaya, you're, you're doing, doing it. it. You're, doing you're working it on me right now. And I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck is this woman talking about? Yeah. <laughs> I get that a lot. <laughs> yeah. But I was so intrigued, yeah. of course. Yeah. Um, and it, and it really, I felt like that moment really opened something right. in myself and having that external validation as well, right? When, when you're mostly surrounded by people who are not open, not awake, not in tune, but you can always feel things, being very sensitive to energy and then having some, especially total stranger, right. come into your space and validate you with the proper vocabulary is just a wild, wild experience. And then we went on a grand adventure together. <laughs> <laughs> we still are on a grand adventure. Still together. are on a grand adventure. <laughs> yeah, but there, there was a, there was a soul connection that very first day, and you know, taking it up into the higher realms, you were literally tattooing Archangel Michael's sigil onto my body. That in itself is sacred, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. That's, still gives me chills. that's sacred medicine right there. And so I knew it back then, but I didn't embody it as deeply as I do now to reflect that back. Like we were doing some big medicine, energetic work back then without even truly even understanding what we were doing. And that's what happens in the beginning when you're first learning. Yeah. And Absolutely. now 10 years later, we're going, whoa. We moved some big energy and, and provided some huge transformations for each other. And it was 2015. So two years later, after we started doing work together, um, we went to the pyramids together, Teotihuacan together. That was my yeah. first time going. And, you know, to share that space with you and to go and, and do those ceremonies and be on the grounds and to be able to share that experience with you was incredible and still unpacking some of the stuff that happened there <laughs> oh totally that was such a powerful experience and I know for me the interesting um little tidbit around that is I hadn't done any traveling yet I'd never gone international and when I thought about like you know the the, the bucket list of all the places you want to go Mexico was at the, the dead bottom right <laughs> it's like I don't care I don't care about Mexico because like when I thought Mexico, all I thought was resorts and inclusive right. resorts and drinking margaritas on a beach. And it's like, if I want to drink on a beach, I'll just grab a six pack and go to Cucanusa, like okay, our Cucanusa. local lake. Exactly, right? <laughs> like I have no interest in spending my money and time on that. And it ended up being the very first place I ever went. And what an incredible fucking experience that was. Yeah. Smack dab in the middle of Mexico, nowhere near the ocean. Nowhere near the ocean. Nowhere near in the resorts. <laughs> no. And it just shifted my entire world and my entire paradigm. Yeah. Yeah. That's the power of tail. It, it is. I still have um I started a painting after we got back from Teo that was meant to embody. The, the sacred feminine energy of that space. And it is still like half finished. I have not touched it since. And I think 
I'm not supposed to touch it again until I go back. <laughs> I was going to say, maybe you need to, to be back and sit the energies and then, it, and then it will come out, right? Yeah. Yeah, because there, there was ceremonies that happened there that jaw dropped me. And literally, I remember saying, what the fuck? Yeah. I'm witnessing right now. So it's, it, you know, it's one thing, like you said, to go to Mexico and go hang out on the beach and have a vacation, but it's another thing to step into sacred ceremony on a deeper level and witness the magic that comes out of it. And Absolutely. also witness what bubbles up for you, because I know I went through my own stuff and you went through your own stuff there too. Like there's this bliss and, and it is matched is matched on the other side like we go there to clear out yeah yeah there was there was such immense euphoria with that bliss and then on the other side of that there was such intense grief mm -hmm. so much intense grief I remember a few times of just absolutely ugly snot crying uncontrollably I could not pull it together <laughs> and same for you absolutely it was just like that wild pendulum swing that, that it had to bring in that balance or to do that deep diving and just what an, what an incredible experience. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time that I'd experienced breath work to that level. Like I, in trauma therapy, like we were very lucky in Cranbrook to have powerful therapists and healers there, but to go and do that kind of work in a group session, breathing, um, that's what took me over the edge and, and it had me questioning my sanity. And now 10 years later, Seth is now like facilitated, like is a facilitator of the work. Yeah. Yeah. Breath works powerful stuff for sure. Yeah. Holy shit, is it ever. And you stack that on top of being in a place that's already inherently, you know, the veil is already thinner and that power that exists there is already so great. So now you, you just step into that space of Teo. And then you do the breath work. So it's like, instead of starting down here and taking yourself to here, you're starting up here, taking yourself even further. Yeah. And I had never done breath work before that. that I just jumped right into the bear's den, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, a trip to Teo and doing some of the programming that, that Teo, that it's designed for, is transformational all by itself. And Without breath the breath work, work. And breath work is transformational all by itself. So that really is kind of baptism by fire to, yeah. to go to Teo for the first time and do breathwork for the first time. And that's life. Well, and you say baptism on fire. We firewalked that weekend as well. Yeah. Right? I was say, we <laughs> yeah, actually that's, firewalked. That's a lot of very significant uh, ceremonies and, yeah, and, and opportunities right there. Yeah. I think it was such, such a large amount of death that happened. Right that it took you and I both like literal years years to come to terms with that. It really blew us the fuck up. It yeah, did. It's very common. Yeah. 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 And, and, and a lot of the medicine that I learned from that trip was um, how to, how, how to show up for your circle and how to show up grounded and present um, knowing what I needed. So now having that, having that experience, I believe has made me a better teacher, a better facilitator and knowing what else I want to bring to the table when we go and do those kind of things. 
So I think having these kind of journeys and doing things that are completely out of your comfort zone, it shifts your assemblage point so much. You have no, you have no other option but to drop in and surrender. Surrender to the whole experience and just allow yourself to open and be there. Yeah. There really wasn't a choice. <laughs> it wasn't a choice. There, there is an option. People fight it all the time. And it literally leads to what we call in the 3D world is insanity. Yeah. Yeah. Try to fight this thing that's coming through their core as this truth. And with their, with their mind, their mind begins to fight their heart opening. And the dissonance becomes so great that it literally can cause snaps and, and insanity. The same thing happens with drugs that, uh, you know, the drugs that cause trips and, and these that open people up you know people think the drugs make them crazy well the drugs don't make them crazy the drugs yeah. open them so much to a world they're so that's so foreign to them that they can't they reject it they yeah. reject it outright they don't ease into that world like you do when you when you do those practices in a more controlled environment and and it just causes this snap because their their mind fights what their body knows and it just becomes so great that they things just kind of go off the rails until they can get some serious powerful energetic healing absolutely and yeah. as soon as as soon as the modern world recognizes that we could probably see a you know probably see a huge decrease in, in the mental health oh yeah absolutely we're getting there <laughs> we are we are getting there and i think i think this is why it's important for for people like us to do the work um, so that we can share our experiences, you know, way showing is a thing. Yes. Right. And those that walk on the edge, you know, you do. When you take yourself deep into your own darkness to navigate out and to try to find the light, you know, I know there was times I questioned my sanity, but then I just remember, I just remember that trauma counselor way back in the day that says, if you're questioning your sanity, you're not insane. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I think a lot of people don't understand that breath work and doing these kinds of sacred ceremonies, if they're done properly and it is a safe container, um, you can get to heights that you would get on ayahuasca or mushrooms or, or these, like you can oh, yeah. bring yourself to those spaces without having the plant medicine. Absolutely. That right. was definitely my experience with it. It was very psychoactive. Yes. Incredibly. And I'm not even a visual person, which is right. funny to say as an artist, but when it, when it comes to um, the, the, the higher spaces and the, and the dimensions and the clairs, uh, the, the site is not mine. <laughs> it's really not. Um, but it was incredibly psychoactive for me. It was jarring and beautiful and incredible and scary and terrifying but also nurturing and wonderful and welcoming and it was all these things this multi-dimensional mastery that is breath work and it's like you know you want to do drugs but but don't do drugs breathe exactly well and i right and i tell people breath work is the reason that drug people have this the psychotic breaks on drugs is that there's not a there's not a control over how far you go you know once it, once you've taken it you're going you're taking that ride as far as depending on how much you took, right? It's the roller coaster. You're on the roller coaster whether you like it or not. And with breath work, you kind of have control over how far you go. You know, there's a there's the ability you can you can really ramp up your breathing and you can activate 
those parts of your brain more and go further. Or you can, if you're real timid, you can ease into it. Like you can take a few times to ease into it. So it's it's the more controlled version where the where the person doing the breathing gets to their foot on the accelerator. You know, do I want yeah, there's to like a real grounded ownership. Yeah. You can choose. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So in your practice now, so going from back then to where you are now. What is some of the medicine from those spaces that you took that you've kind of implemented in your life and use as daily tools? You know, just the transition from where you were then to now. Um, I, I think one major one has been a revolved around ego. That's been a big one. I think a lot of a lot of us who stepped down this um uh, this like aligned, authentic and aware spiritual path, when we first start and you have that first big breakthrough or that big pathway opening, that first real ascension step, you feel so amazing. You feel so good. And a whole world opens up to you with excitement. It's all light and fluff and clouds and rainbows. And you want everybody to feel how you feel. And what I've noticed um, in this world is a lot of people within that first couple of years, they take that excitement and they step too far. And by that, I mean, they start, they open up their own practices. They open up their own coaching. They open up their own circles without taking the time for real integration to get past that fluffy stage. Cause everybody wants to do it. I did. I felt like I wanted to, in, in those first couple of years, I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. I want everybody else to feel how incredible this is. And I want to take them on this journey with me. Thank God I didn't. <laughs> Thank God. I know one thing you actually taught me that has always stuck with me is that people can only, you can only take people as far as you've come. Got it. And I've seen, tell me if you've seen this or not as well. I've seen in, especially the Western new age space and the popularity of its mainstream growth in the last 10 to 20 years is becoming a lot of egotistic pathways. And these people who do not see how little they've actually come compared to where they need to get before they can take others under their wing and behind them. And they start pulling people along farther than they've even gotten themselves. And it's causing harm. Yes. Well, I experienced it right? Yeah. yeah. Most of us have at this point, yeah. I believe. Yeah. And so learning to sit with that and checking your ego took a lot of time for me and to ease back on that space of wanting to facilitate, wanting to lead, wanting to bring others on. Cause it also wasn't exactly my path. I had yet to find my path. And I think that's something that has stayed with me in a lot of different ways that is frayed into different branches that to watch myself and to be able to check my ego on a regular basis and go is this authentic is this me is this theirs am i aligned and it's such a powerful tool that gets underutilized i find that has been such a major one. And it really did start with you saying that to me, you can only take people as far as you've come, which meant something to me then, but it was still so surface level. 
because then I was really lost in that and not quite lost, but just excited and playful. And that child in me wanted to go, everyone come and play with me. Right. I want you to come and play in my sandbox. Come. Yeah. But my sandbox wasn't ready. Right. <laughs> it you wasn't clean. <laughs> I had to build it. It wasn't even there yet. It was shovel probably, the shit out of it. We want to clean the sandbox. Shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe, you know, the injuries. skeletons are still buried in there. <laughs> And, and that it's, it's that whole, that saying has now taken on a, a far deeper meaning for me. And it's, and I keep unpacking layers in that. And I keep spiraling into that pathway, taking, coming back to that same lesson again and again, but on a deeper and higher level. That has been such an important implementation in my life. And of course I'm human, so I don't always get it right. And that's part of the human experience, baby, because I am a spiritual being having a human experience, not the other way around. And that, that is so powerful. And it, it helps me be able to discern between, is this a reflection experience? Is this a mirror for me? Or is this just them? Or is this all me? (laughs) Am I causing harm to others? Or can I be indifferent to this experience? I think that's been a, a real powerful one for mine. One of the big things I find with, with people, like you said, you get in that excitement space and it's not so much that they, I guess for me, what I see is it's not so much that they need to wait till longer is that they just need to recognize their own limitations, right? If mm-hmm. I'm super excited about this awareness that I have, I could show that to people that haven't had that awareness. But what I feel like is happening more often than not is they, they want to create a business around it because they want to just do that right? Which is great. Like, I think all of us would love to work in a space where, and that's what we're working towards, is just to be providing expansion and growth for others. So they create the business. Well, then, then the scarcity creeps in and that's where fear comes in. And then ego gets their foot foot back in the door and says, okay, well now you've got to make this business make money or else you're going to be, you're going to suffer financially. You're going to, you're going to be without. So then they start looking at, okay, well, I, this is all I know and all I can show people that I'm not going to make enough money. I got to, I got to expand what I can offer. And that's the slippery slope. Then they start trying to offer things that they don't have the mastery. In. Yeah. And then, and that's when the harm starts. Well, here's this thing I read about. I'm going to, I'm going to show you how to do this. I'm going to take you on this journey. Oh, well, shit. I don't really know how to bring you back from that journey or how to properly take you on that journey. And that's when the, the harm, not just, at the, the physical level, although it can be, but the harm in, in the, the spiritual and energetic, it can really, you can really tangle people's energy up in a way that they have to then really seek out powerful masters of energy manipulation to correct that. And they, but they don't know it. Yeah. Like, on the outside, they still look and they look in the mirror. I still look like the person I was. How come I'm so torn up? Yeah. So it's that, it's that balance of, being willing to only teach to what you know and staying out of, of scarcity and, and feeling, letting that fear of, of lack driving your choices. Because that's when we start to miscreate, right? When we, when we create out of fear, call it, a, it's a miscreation, not a creation. Absolutely. That was so well put. I love that. And it's, it's surely like never done intentional harm, right? It is really just that that you want, it's, it's really, it's coming intentionally from that love space of, yeah. I want everyone to feel as good as I have, but 
when there hasn't been the time taken to have that well-rounded toolbox. When you can take someone through like a psychoactive experience, but you're unable to provide support and facilitation for integration afterwards, you're going to leave people raw and tangled. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, there, there is a piece of, you know, and, and healers, you know, I don't know one healer that hasn't owned that they've had to work through codependency. <laughs> that, that is kind of part of part of what we clear out in our soul baskets. And I find that's the other piece that that it's okay for your students and if you are yourself a student to have more than one teacher. And I think people really get hung up in that, oh, you can't go work with somebody else because you're <laughs> like, you know, absolutely that space. And it's I feel very lucky and grateful coming from the sporting community that was wiped out of me in my twenties <laughs> because it, it, you know, you're talking life and death, physical life and death. And if you don't trust your coach, you need to go find another coach. And everybody in our sport understood that. And we, we swapped kids all the time. Like that, that was a regular practice in my old community. So stepping into this spiritual type community, I was jaw dropped. At, at, at how some of um, the teachers and students kind of tried to navigate that space. And that is one thing that I'm trying to spread into the world that it's okay to be polyamorous with your teachers. Hells yeah. You can love more than one teacher. And Absolutely. I encourage you to go love more than one teacher, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, really like the us, basis of it is, is we're all humans and no one human can have the answers or teachings or solve everything for one person. It's, it's exactly. impossible. It's the same as our partners or our yeah, friendships. Or... If, if, if we're not going to expect that from our partner, why would we expect that from our teacher? I see a lot of the same thing in the tattoo industry. Do you? Um, mostly from clients though, not the other way around okay. where there, a lot of people get stuck in this mindset of, you are my tattoo artist and I will never go see anybody else, no matter what. Yeah. And it's like, oh, babe, don't do that. You're, right. you're closing yourself off to so much beauty and talent and wonder in this world. Yeah. I actually recall um, a bit of a, a fronting moment actually 10 years ago in um, what is now Huckleberry Books, but back then it was Lotus Books oh, yes, when yes. Aaron was starting those circles yes. with Brenda and Aaron as well, right? Um, I walked in one day and one of the older ladies was participating. We'd never met before. And um, one of the leaders just, just introduces us as friends. Like, you know, we're, you're meeting the people who are about to sit in circle with you and go, oh yeah, hi, hi, hi. And I don't even say what my career is, but the facilitator introducing us goes, oh yeah, Kai is a tattoo artist. And this older lady like doesn't even take a breath and goes, oh, well, I already have my tattoo artist. So. And it was just so rude for one. Yeah, like, you weren't even talking about I didn't ask. Yeah. Yeah, I just didn't ask. Also, you can totally go to another tattoo artist, you know? Like, <laughs> it, and we all have such different styles and different yeah. gifts to offer. Yeah. Why would you only stick with one? Why would you do that? You're limiting yourself off to such an, an immense world, an immense space of beauty and privilege. And most of us tattoo artists understand that and we will pass off clients with each other and go, oh, you know, I could do this for you, but I, I really think so-and-so 
will do that so much better. I really think they'll bring that space to you a whole lot better and back and forth. And we do that in reciprocity and in community and it's not competition and it allows a more full and saturated experience for this person who is bringing their inner selves onto their skin permanently. Don't limit yourself to just one teacher, to just one artist, to, to just one facilitator. It, it is, it doesn't bring benefits to your teacher. It only robs you of what could be. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm so happy that at your age, you get that, right? Because that you are part of the new generation bringing this, this medicine forward. And you know, a perfect example, even last year in, in the spiritual circles of the collaborative books, um, uh, somebody who would consider themselves famous in our community got mad at a student for going and writing in somebody else's book. You know, it's like, it's none of your business. No, it's not. It does not. And, so. and wouldn't a more authentic aligned space be to see joy in your baby birds flying? Yes. Yes. And, and you're saying that you that that's what you're seeing, so it becomes your reality. It's it's not really the reality that's out there very much. Like that's amazing that in your group of artists, you are holding the, the art as what is sacred and not the pocketbook. Right. Or the person. Yeah. That's, you know, but that goes against everything that they teach about business. Right. In business, it does. Yeah. Attaining and retaining, attain the clients and retain them. How do you keep them with you? And that's that business model is what's getting mixed in with this offering expansion, expansion. Yeah, offering that expansion and growth. And you try to mix this the business model in, and it is counterproductive. Yeah, I um, I've always kind of said that I am an artist first who just happens to have to do business. Right. Right. It's not. It's not my jam, man. <laughs> it's not my groove, baby. That's what's so cool about this, this newer generation coming up and that are shaking, shaking these agreements out and figuring out what is working, what isn't working. And it's important and it needs to happen. You know, drop everybody back down into their heart space and, and live from love instead of, you know, navigating through their fear spaces all the time. You know, that that same trauma counselor once said that, you know, 90% of our lives are run by our inner children because there's no awareness. So, you know, when you really sit and think with that, they do need a little bit of a navigation there, right? So to be able to hold your inner child's hand and have that conversation about when it's okay to play and when it's not and all of that reconnecting in with your inner child is where the magic and the medicine is and to be able to hold space for you for the last 10 years and help you navigate that space with your own inner child has been some of the best medicine and magic for me as well because when we facilitate we also heal you know there is there is equal energy exchange when you're in true authentic partnership with somebody absolutely absolutely It, it totally is I want to come back to something you said, Seth, where you reminded me that it is the reality I'm seeing and I'm choosing. And I do forget that there is a whole other reality out there. And you, and you reminded me 
so I'm on a, I'm on an online forum that's for tattoo artists on Facebook. It's mostly shit posting and trolling, but sometimes there's some fun conversations. I remember just the other day, someone made a post in there asking why the tattoo industry was so toxic. Why are we always fighting each other? Why are we always tearing each other down? Why are we always being so overly critical of each other? Why can't we work together as a community, yada, yada? And I just thought, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, that's not what I see. Right. It's not my experience. And I, I had to check myself a little bit in that moment and go, right, there is this whole other reality that I'm just choosing not to be part of and I'm choosing not to participate in it. And I would much rather hold on to my reality and hold that space in my heart. And you totally just reminded me that Seth that yeah, actually, I guess it is still pretty common. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just so used to dancing in my own little reality over here. Just yeah. like happy as a that's, little bird. But that's what it is, right? You're creating your story. So you've created yeah. a story, you've raised your vibration to where that stuff's happening down here in these lower vibrations, right? Obviously that's low vibration shit. So you've yeah. created a story where for you, it's not toxic. You can be a tattoo yeah. artist and it's not toxic. And they can create that story too, if they do the work. If they do the work to raise their vibration, let go of the shit and, and begin to raise their life and recognize for one, where most people haven't even got to, to recognize that they have the authority to write their own story and that they are writing their own story. They're just doing it unconsciously now and allowing other people's bullshit and old bullshit to write it for them. Yes. So it's beautiful that you, that that's where you're at, that you're like, <laughs> no, that shit doesn't even happen in the tattoo world. Everybody cooperates. It's great. It's not dog eat dog. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. And I think it's important for people to understand that it wasn't always like that for us. We, it, it has taken, it has taken years of working on ourselves, staying with ourselves, holding our inner child's, children's hand, finding the circles that resonate with us to help us evolve, working together. Like this isn't something that happens overnight. You got to put in the work. You know, I yeah. used to be a fighter. You used to be a fighter. Like you, you work through it. There's different levels of ascension as you're coming up. And you do have to find your inner warrior first before you can come back into peace. Right. And, you know, just because we can be soft and we can live in this, this higher dimension doesn't mean I am not going to fight for my inner peace. Yes. Right. That warrior is still there. Yeah. But only when I need it. And when it's called upon, it is not running rampant, causing chaos. Right. There's, there's this, there's this stillness and this balance that has come in. And that takes years. Absolutely. It's that sometimes peace comes after the bloodshed, but sometimes peace can happen instead of the bloodshed. Exactly. And they both exist. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you have to one first you have to be aware that there is that there is this possibility to have this inner sovereignty and, and you get to choose. And then you have to be get to a point where you are trust yourself to defend that space. And that's the warrior space. Like it doesn't always have to be about the bloodshed and it doesn't have to be a fierce space, but you have to get to where there's a, that where your, your inner child and, and that, that essence of who you are trusts again, that you can defend that space. And then once you trust the defenses up, then you can actually let go. And yeah. that's when you can actually live in that space. That's when you can drop back into that feminine energy that we all house 
actually be the goddess in of your sovereign nation, knowing that if somebody comes to you, the warrior's there and can do what it needs to do, but you don't have to live in that space all the time. So, but it's absolutely progression. Yeah, yeah it's that spiral path, warriors, right? Yeah. Training our warriors to defend, not to attack. Yes. It's it's a we still we still need the warrior. We just train it a different way. Absolutely. Usually, I think a lot of times people become aware, and then that warrior becomes an aggressor initially because that's they need to step to that extreme to make up for how much they've been letting themselves get stepped off and walked over. So they, they kind of stand up and go no more and they become very aggressive and then they realize, oh, not everybody wants to fight. Oh, maybe I should, maybe I should just wait and protect myself when somebody steps to me. Absolutely. And one, one extreme will always beget another extreme until you can hold awareness and bring yourself into balance and, and learn what time and place requires what tool. Right. The, the larger you can build your toolbox, the more well equipped you are for every scenario. Exactly. Yeah. And it all requires commitment and practice. Yeah. And those are the real two keys. Right. You got to commit to your own evolution and then be willing to do the practice. Yeah. Absolutely. So recently, you got a new space. I did. <laughs> <laughs> and you manifested the shit out of that. Yeah. I did. I am a master manifester as it so appears. Yes. <laughs> That's part of that commitment and practice. Right? <laughs> it's setting your intent. It literally is all about the intent and to be able to witness you set the intent and be part of the conversation. And then what was it about a month later? Boom. Here's this magical space that you are now being able to step into and create with and house other people like you know there's just this beautiful next step that has come in for you yeah so so for the listeners just to paint the imagery and the context here for the past seven years i have been um tattooing out of basically an office it was a whole office space that was turned into a co-op a collaborative workspace that each office room could be rented into a different business um, this was my second brick and mortar space from the first one where you and I first met, yep. where I jumped into a larger space. I quickly realized it wasn't fitting me. It was unnecessary. I was starting to more regularly and faster book out farther. And so I no longer needed hours to sit in my shop and just waste time. I was booking out. I couldn't take walk-ins. What was the point of me having and paying for all of this space? So I downgraded from like 900 square feet or something or 1100 square feet, I can't remember, to 137 square feet, <laughs> like smaller than a bedroom, smaller than your average bedroom, yeah. maybe a bathroom. <laughs> it was tiny. And I've been there for seven years and it was wonderful and beautiful. And I had so many opportunities to be around um, other folks with their businesses in so many different realms. Um, Donna being one of them at one yeah, I was point. In there for a couple months. Yeah, you were in there. Um, so I uh, last year, uh, we are a year into it. I took on an apprentice, 
which um, is something I never saw myself doing. <laughs> I never wanted to do. <laughs> I did not have the capacity, both physically in my tiny little room yeah. and energetically, um, but it was something synchronistic. So I, the universe said, say yes. So I said, fuck yes. So we started sharing that tiny little room. We made it work for us, but I already knew even before taking on my beautiful apprentice that I was ready to step into something at least a little bit bigger. Something else, something was a little more owned, a little more mine. And I was ready for that graduating step. And so I started looking like a year ago and I knew what I wanted. I knew what I wanted to pay. I knew what bracket I wanted to be in. Um, but where I live, it's pretty hard to find these little, these little spaces. Everything that's empty and available is huge and pricey. <laughs> Uh, so eventually, uh, late last year, I came across the space that I have now. It was coming up available. I booked a time to look at it as soon as I could. I went in, I saw it. I knew immediately, this is mine. This is mine. I must have you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the landlord told me they had already showed somebody and they were going to let them know, uh, like next week, within a week, we'll let you know next week if they take it. I said, okay. In the meantime, I had already started collecting various things from thrift stores and ordering things that I knew need to be in the shop. So I have a big sprinter van and I'm driving around on a daily basis to and from work to the grocery store with just shit jammed into the back that are, it's all designated for my new spot, my new shop. One week goes by, two weeks goes by. I don't hear from the landlords. I assume the other people have taken it and they just forgot to text me. I say, that's okay. I let it go. I just released all expectations on that. I completely let go of any attachment to that. said that wasn't meant for me. That's perfectly okay. Maybe I'll give it a few more months. I'll stop looking for now. At least where I'm at is affordable. I'll look later. As soon as I released that expectation, that's when I got the text from the landlord. Hey, Kaya, sorry for the delay in letting, in letting you know, but it's available if you want it. There you go. <laughs> um, yes, please. Yes, please. And thank you. Um, please and thank you. They let me in early so I could start painting. I gave up my winter break to make sure I got renoed. January was a crazy whirlwind of working full-time and renoing this new shop because I tend to book out about five months now before I close my books and say no more. <laughs> and so I'm already working full time in my old shop and then at nights and weekends and days off, I'm in the new shop painting and building and whatever. Yeah, and now here we are. And yeah. my wonderful apprentice has his own station. I brought on another lovely soul locally who is wanting to become more full time. And we all mesh so well. And it's such a gorgeous little space in this little community I reside in. I'm so proud of it. Every single person who walks in just tells me how good it feels. That is and one of your gifts, is creating <laughs> It really is one of your gifts. It really is. I am just such a Taurus. <laughs> I'm all about that sensual comfort and space and color. And everything must be comfortable and feeling good and centrally invigorating, absolutely everything I do. And, and also I'm really that grounding force too, which I think we learned through our, our 10 year now journeying together. I've always been the grounding rod. Yes. Born on Earth Day, Born I am such Earth a Taurus. 
<laughs> that no matter what company I'm in, I'm the grounding force, whether I try to be or not, <laughs> which is a beautiful gift also, because I rarely take on um, energy. It's constantly just, just dissipating through. And I have yet to even cleanse this new space and bless it. And I really need to, because I know there's like at least three spirits in there. <laughs> and but it's just you just hanging out with them, right? You just yeah. They're just hanging out. It's fine. <laughs> well, and on top of all that, I'm messaging you going, yeah, it's book time. Time to do the book. Right in the middle time of the to do the book. <laughs> oh my God. I'm doing so much right now. I tell you, I cannot wait for summer when I don't have to do anything. <laughs> But I'm so saturated and happy. <laughs> exactly. It's all good things. And and what a nice change because, you know, when we first met, it wasn't that. So to hear you have all these things that are so amazing, that just goes to show what this work does, that you can literally flip your life around and create it exactly how you want it. And it has been amazing witnessing you create your own magic and create this life that you have now. Oh, that, that goes both ways. Absolutely. Right. Seeing where your life has come from where it was. Right. Um, oh, just amazing. And I really do attribute a lot of this to that work. And the, the interesting thing about that is that the work is it wasn't about, you know, the business side or expanding on that area. The business, or um, excuse me, the the work was about expanding on myself, and working on myself, and coming into alignment with that, and and healing so much trauma and grief, or at least learning to live with it in in an owner an owned way, and becoming a more elevated version of yourself that feels sacred, that feels like the, the, the term like your body is your temple that's thrown around a lot, but I am my temple, not just my body and learning to step in that sacred steps every day, no matter where you are, whether you are dancing naked on a fire in the forest or shopping for candy in Walmart in your fucking pajamas. It's sacred stepping within your own temple wherever you go. And when you can learn to hold that space and you come into that, good things flow. And it's not reward exactly. Not that I believe. I believe there's a lot of indifference, but it is balance and it is when you do good and when you are good and when you really come into authentic alignment, that alignment comes to you in whatever way it needs to. And then you attract whatever you're putting your attention on. Right. Absolutely. Like, that, that reality that Zest says, yeah, <laughs> that reality are, that you live in. We are responsible because you have to be responsible for that energy when you get to that level, because wherever your mind goes, you're going to pull it in. So you have to be very aware of what's going on in your mind because we do become magnificent manifestors. Magnificent manifestors. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Multi-dimensional magnificent manifestors. <laughs> exactly. And I'm just so thrilled and honored that you stepped in my path. It's oh, been awesome you... playing with you. All the things, all the emotions all the masks that we've held for each other because there has been a lot <laughs> you know even though it started out with you being in my circles you know I do consider you one of my greatest teachers you know I love I, you I've learned so much from you as well so yay such beautiful reciprocity and I am so honored I'm so humbled to be part of your world and for you to be part of mine is such 
an honored experience. It's so, it's such a privilege. And, and to, to be able to invite you, Seth, into that world now too, and to be part of that, to be invited into yours. These worlds are converging and it is something magnificent and it feels so big and so many big things are happening. And it, it just, it's just incredible. Things are coming together just as they're supposed to. It is. Like you said, big things that are coming up. Storylines are converging and power is growing. Yeah. It's becoming an epic, that's for sure. It certainly is, and I'm excited to see uh, what we're going to birth in the next 10 years, because look at how much we did in the first 10. <laughs> oh, this is just foundational, baby. Just the foundation. Yeah, yeah. So looking forward to playing with you more, and so excited that you're going to be part of this book and mm. produce some medicine into the world together. It's amazing. And uh Every time I see that little wolf picture, my heart just explodes. Yeah, Thank you amazing. for the cover art. And as of yesterday, it has now gone to the person to do the thing. So <laughs> very soon, very soon, we will see what the actual cover is going to look like. So yay. Yeah. So exciting. So exciting. So blessings to you, my love. Thank you for joining us today. And we will drop all Kaya's contact information at the bottom of uh, of this recording so yeah, that if you guys yeah, want to there, get in contact with her or check her out, all of her social media stuff, she is just a mystic mama that we love very much. So Absolutely. yay. And we look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you so much. All right. All right. Until next time, all my love. Thank you for sharing your time with us. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, and leave a ratings and review. Hey, did you know that both Angel and Seth have books coming out in 2023? Stay tuned and follow us on all social media platforms at Bites of Light, B-Y-T-E-S-O-F-L-I-G-H-T. Thanks again, and we look forward to sharing space with you again soon.